Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. Get it automatically. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. You can email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Josh High False. Today's guest is Sean Keegan Landis, who is currently the host of Frog Night and Screenwriting for Dummies at Good Good Comedy. The sketch Sean brought with him was written at the beginning of his days in American Breakfast and was the first he took to sketch up or shut up. Joe Tuzzi plays Dad 2 and Radisson. I play the son named Dave and Dad number 1. And Sean plays Rebecca and reads the stage directions. So let's go to the sketch. Scene open interior, a living room in a house where dad number one and dad number two live. The dads are sitting on the couch in the center of the living room when their son, Dave, enters through the front door with his girlfriend, Rebecca. Hey, gay dads. I'd like you to meet my new girlfriend, Rebecca. Dad number one and dad number two stand up, excited that Dave and Rebecca are here. Dad number one shakes Rebecca's hand and dad number two hugs Dave. Hey there, I'm Brad. Dave's told us a lot about you. Dad number two hugs Rebecca. Oh, isn't this grand? It's so nice to meet you. Would you like a drink? Some water? Sure. Dad number one leaves the stage via door upstage left. Now, I hope you don't judge Rebecca too harshly, Dad. She's a bit nervous to meet you two, not just because you're my parents, but because you're also two of the most preeminent anthropologists working today. I've read a lot of your work. Oh, don't be nervous, sweetie. We're just glad Dave's come to his senses and is dating a fellow anthropologist. (laughs) Oh, come on, Dad. No, Dave, we didn't speak up then, but we were concerned for you. You dated girls who majored in just about anything. It'll be nice to finally chat with a normal woman who knows the value of studying anthropology. Well, technically, I'm getting a PhD in archaeology. Dad number two suddenly becomes somber. Oh. Dad number one enters the door stage right with a glass of water. He speaks as he brings the water to Rebecca. Now, Dave, your dad and I were just discussing the release of Claude Levi Strauss's unpublished ethnographic notes on the Nambuquera. I'm sure Rebecca here has some thoughts. Brad, she's studying archaeology. David, you said she was an anthropologist. I said I met her in one of my anthropology seminars. Oh. There's an awkward beat. No one seems to know what to say. Rebecca sips her water. How's that water? Uh, it's fine. There's another awkward beat. Actually, I read Levi Strauss's Tristropique. I thought... I don't know how to talk to a bone duster. What? Let me guess. You saw Jurassic Park when you were 11, and all that digging out in the desert looked really cool. Now Clarence... So you tried to become a paleontologist, but oh my, those biology classes sure were tough freshman year. It's it, it's not that different. Next semester, boom, you switched out and took the easy train to archaeologyville. Rebecca and I have basically the same coursework. I don't have to entertain some glamour-seeking Indiana Jones wannabe. Most people classify archaeology as a subdiscipline of anthropology. You. There's a short beat. I challenge you to a duel. 
Dad number two goes over to an end table, opens the drawer, and pulls out two old revolvers and two pairs of white gloves. Excited, Dave and dad number one quickly push the couch downstage. Dad number two then hands a revolver and pair of gloves to dad number one and goes upstage, stage left, as he puts on the gloves. Meanwhile, Dave ushers Rebecca upstage, stage right. Dave, I'm not going to duel your father. Don't worry, he's rusty. Dad number one hands the revolver and gloves to Rebecca and takes her glass of water. How's your fancy water now? We shoot on the count of five. Five. I'm not going to shoot you. Four. Dad, what's going on? Three. Duel, archaeologist. That's charlatan. Radisson pulls a revolver out of her bag and points it at Rebecca. Hey! Dave pulls out a revolver tucked in the back of his jeans and points it at Radisson. Two. David! Dad pulls out a revolver taped to the side of the couch and points it at Dave. One. All characters begin excitedly speaking their next lines all at once. She's my girlfriend! Hooray for dueling! We finish this now. Light cue. The stage goes dark except for a spotlight on dad number two. We hear a gunshot. Everyone freezes. Dad number two walks downstage and addresses the audience. Hi, I'm playwright Clarence Charlatan. I wrote this scene. I bet you're wondering who fired that shot. Hey, this is Josh interjecting. Something happened with the recording and it carpooled up what would have been Joe's last line there. Here's what he says. Well, here's a better question. Who did you want to fire that shot? You know, my grandmother used to say when you point a gun at someone, you have three pointed back at you. Kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Now, as we head to my chat with Sean, there are a couple moments in here where, similar to the sketch, the microphone drops out for a few words, so I apologize for that. It's only momentary, and I think you'll still get the gist of what he's saying. It's a really good talk. So let's get to it. All right. Hey, Sean. Hey, what up? Um, so tell me about this idea. Uh, okay. So uh, like all ideas, apparently on this sketch uh, podcast, uh, it was born in a <laughs> Fit 101 <laughs> sketch class. Uh, I was taking a class uh, with oh, Brian gosh. Kelly, okay. um, and uh, this actually wasn't the first that I wrote. I apologize. <gasps> I know. Uh, but it was the first that I ever performed with uh, my uh, nascent group, American Breakfast. Okay. We performed it at Sketch Up or Shut Up for the very first time we ever did anything ever. Okay. Uh, so when was this? Like this is uh, looks like early. Oh, that's right. There's twelve. Okay. Uh, so the first draft of it was December fourteenth, twenty eleven, and then we probably either did that December SketchUp or maybe the January SketchUp. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, okay, because I'm trying to remember a timeline because. You and I did sketch two hundred one together. That's right, with Paul Trigiani and the all the rest of American Breakfast. <laughs> yeah, with and Costa, and that uh, that winter spring. Wait, what? That's right. Wasn't Costa in that class? No. Oh, no, it, happened there, to be wrong. There was another random dude. Who was it? Oh, I forget his name, but he was oh, he was in my sketch one hundred one. Ah. And then I walk in, I'm like, oh, there's this entirely formed group, all from a different one hundred one class. And then me and this dude <laughs> that I've never seen again in my life. I was like, nice. oh, fantastic. Which it was a great class. Like, um, I think we were one of the first two hundred ones. I think for uh, before that other major two hundred one class. Yeah, uh, that had like all of um, the flat Earth in it, basically. Yeah, but yeah, right. Um, so then, your your one hundred one is all American Breakfast comes it's out of American it. Breakfast. Uh, Chip Chantry was in there for some weird reason, right? Um, and uh, a few others that decided not to pursue comedy anymore. Yeah. 
I um, feel that's the case. Like that 101, you always have like a half and half split of just like yeah, people that want to do it and people that mm-hmm. are just there for a couple of weeks for yeah. funsies. And it was wonderfully awkward because I had taken some improv classes prior to that. And there's like lots of bonding that happens in improv mm-hmm. classes. Uh, but I really wanted to take a sketch class. So improv was just sort of me treading water before I could take a sketch class that fit my schedule. And the uh, the sketch class was so like, just shy <laughs> just full of people who are just like myself included who are just like i don't know how to make friends with people but i yeah. want to be friends with some of these people and it took us the very last class week eight before someone was like why don't we like share emails and maybe like <laughs> maybe like try something to get and like that's which that's i think American breakfast for i think that's the same thing with my sketch 101 is like we yeah. were just there was no interaction after class yeah like other than maybe I, me seeing Madonna at a sketch up. <laughs> right. Like, hey, Madonna. Hey, what's going on? Like, that's mm-hmm. it. That was but it. even in the most uh, basic improv 101 class, uh, it was always like, let's get drinks after, yeah. or w- no matter when the class happens. I think in our 201, we went to lunch or whatever it was a couple mm-hmm. times. and Yeah, it was a weird mid-afternoon class, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so you actually get a sketch group completely out of, out of a sketch a 101, 101 which I don't think happens. Uh, or at least right. So it's that, and in the history of the scene, no. But it, but like the model that I was following was improv classes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you hear about in class, yeah, class. We all were classes becoming together. teams together like mm-hmm. all the time. But you don't hear that with sketch. Yeah, my uh, first uh, improv group was Bed Savage, which formed out of a one on one class. Okay. So, um, so okay, this idea. Where do you get this idea of <laughs> anthropologist dueling? Oh, good. So I'm obsessed with the idea of the uh, narcissism of small differences where yeah. somebody uh, is basically the same as another person but denigrates that other person because of that minor difference they have. Right. So, so honestly the idea for this was just do a sketch about the narcissism of small differences <clears throat> um, and then the specifics of anthropology and archaeology didn't come to me toward the very end <laughs> and I also didn't do much with it right I like threw like a little Jurassic Park reference in yeah. there in the middle but it was mostly just like hey what if like everybody just had guns because like you have like <laughs> what if it just became a duel you have, like, at the end dirt brushers and that's like the <laughs> yeah. only real reference mm-hmm. of any difference between yeah. the two uh, right so there's no there's no real there there so it's a terrible sketch <laughs> um, uh, for that reason uh, and, but and you, it's some it's a fun to like hey there's suddenly there are guns everywhere <laughs> so and you guys did this on a sketch up did you actually like full prop it like we brought as many guns as we could and it was <laughs> it was that thing that um i think people make fun of at SketchUp now where like a new group comes out and they're like we need our props and we yeah. need like, to set the stage for four and a half minutes which uh, like on one hand i totally understand mm-hmm. why you want to do that but at the same time as like the, the audience vet, i'm just like ah, let's let's move on let's yeah. come on like if it's your 17th time there you're like come on we yeah. got this we understand um, what's happening. Just tell us what's going on. Yeah. So I've never been more nervous on stage than I was for that first uh, sketch up. Did, were and you reading it? Or? We were just reading it. Okay. And we had, we had guns and everything, but we were just reading it. But also, like, I had been on stage doing improv already a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, sketch is way more nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, like, also my idea, so it's all going <laughs> to live or die based on whether <laughs> my idea was funny. Uh, so it was, it was terrifying to me. Uh, and we put it up, and I don't think we got a laugh at all. But we're like, all right, that's I, something. See, like this is the time where Judo Range was still around, and we yeah. were going to sketch ups mm-hmm. and doing stuff. And I'm trying to remember if I was there, and I can't. 
No, it's it's not a memorable enough. <laughs> like I'm sure the performance didn't even read as well as our performance of it right now on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, all of us were particularly nervous. Uh, uh, to to just call out other members of American Breakfast, um, Eric at the time really loved writing, uh, but never really wanted to perform, even though he's a really good performer. Mm -hmm. um, Nora. Um, doesn't like to be around a lot of the people in Philly comedy. Okay. Um, but uh, also, um, like, took to just sort of drinking before shows to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to sort of soothe that. Not having to perform, but having to, like, interact with yeah. people. Like, at a theme show in particular, if you if you ever had a theme show, it's like 20 There's sketch entirely groups, too many people in the and back. Just and too many in the green room. So uh, nobody knows how to interact uh, when they're all wearing, you know, diaper costumes. Yeah, I always had that, like... Whenever I do like a, th or whenever I want to do a theme show or something, I always be like, "Let's go and introduce myself to the people I don't know and like yeah. be like pleasant and personable." And then I get there, and I'm immediately in my <laughs> own cocoon, just yeah. like whatever. Who are the three people I like, know, yeah. Or what should I be listening to on my iPod? Right yeah, now? exactly. And I don't know. I can try to get out of that shell, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, there was a brief moment where I got out of my shell. And I call that 2013, <laughs> but didn't last. So. And, and uh, you forgot to mention Pete Rambo also. Oh, Pete Rambo, um, he uh, is a uh, not particularly nervous to perform that mm -hmm. I got, but he's also the quietest member, yes. both on stage and off stage. So, like, as he's performing, most people would just be like, "I'm sorry, what was that?" It took him about, I would say, six months for him to like have a stage voice, so yeah. people could hear him. We're not even projecting because we're not in a big theater, right. but like. Mm -hmm. You do need to talk a little yeah, bit just, louder. Just just <laughs> use a normal speaking voice. Uh, yeah. So how long? Because the uh, the last Judo Range show that I was involved with. Was with American was Breakfast, right? Judo Breakfast at the American Range or whatever yeah. dumbness we called it. Mm -hmm. Where instead of doing uh, what, you know, American Breakfast do a set, we do a set, vice versa. We integrate it pretty much everything. Yeah. Where and we were involved in many of your sketches as actors. Yeah. We were involved in many of our sketches as actors. Yep, there's exactly. like there's a gif that I still have I can gif or gif or however <laughs> the they call it. The popcorn gif, right? Was the popcorn gif and I and I keep Talk it because it. it's like one of my favorite things of Philly comedy. It was like yeah. Eric throwing com popcorn in my mouth because yeah. I'm his dad. You're playing Eric's dad in a dumb sketch called Prank Your Tweens. And uh yeah, it's just a beautiful, lovely moment. <laughs> it's like genuinely sweet. <laughs> Because uh, it, it occurs within this montage of uh, just you and your son, Eric, doing lovely things with each other, watching movies, whatever. And that popcorn moment is so beautiful. <laughs> it brings a tear to my eye. And my sole memory of that day was being in Eric's apartment in Fishtown mm -hmm. for like three hours just to get 15 seconds <laughs> of footage. Why was it a three-hour shoot? Because it wasn't. Because I was just there for two hours because... Whatever they were shooting somewhere else in the city yeah. took too long. Yes. And oh, that's like, that's because we were waiting for, um, I yeah. believe, Ian to show up. And he showed up a little late yeah. uh, for, for a shoot that he was great at. <laughs> so I I'm see. there in like We Pete's had one house camera. Like, that's the reason. <laughs> hey, Pete, what's up? Like, it was just so awkward and weird to me. Yeah. But, what, I mean, Eric, why am I calling yeah. him Pete? Because uh, we were waiting for Pete with the camera. Right. Like, oh, gosh. That was a weird day yeah uh, uh, but that was i think the first real show that we did that was a, a complete set even though right. it was interspersed that was the first american breath breakfast puts up 20-ish 30 minutes yeah. of material rather than just at a theme show or i think we did like a three sketch show at this weird um open mic hmm. um, and we did oh we did um manny party i believe the first right time. and we had like a 
three three sketches in that. So. Okay. Um, yeah, those like those are really fun shows. I really enjoyed that one, yeah. especially like as much as it was like half and half our our material, mm-hmm. your material, but we did you know weave in and uh, the order of the show was different yep. because like it just didn't matter whose was what and yeah, it was fun and funky. Uh, American Breakfast is a thing and it's happening for a while. Yep. But you also oops, sorry you also um get flat earth yes so this is right after our 201 class that i believe they announced like packet submissions mm-hmm. i was like well i've written six sketches for three classes mm-hmm. for two classes so what? i've i've got enough material to uh to count yeah this, this was the and i've mentioned this many times before but this was the one where i was like i'm not going to submit because mm-hmm. i've got judo range and that's a sweet deal going <laughs> and it dies that summer and it dies like <laughs> immediately three weeks later <laughs> yeah. like Mm-hmm. Which um, so flat Earth was uh, you? Were you a writer or I was a writer. Okay, uh, so you're so on the writer myself, side. Jess Ross, Luke Field, uh, Steve Swan was our head writer. Paul Trigg did come in as our director. Um, Matt Schmidt and Vincent DiCostanzo and Adam Siri. Okay, um, how was that the experience of writing for Flat Earth different than being a part of American Breakfast? Love it. There's one of your, st- your stock <laughs> questions. <laughs> Um, I'm a big listener to this podcast, by the way, so I could so probably ask the now. questions that he's asking. Um, yes. You know what? <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> well, I would say my favorite Saturday Night Live cast member. Uh, no, uh, I'll, I'll answer this question first. Um, Holy crap, I totally skipped over that stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, writing for Flat Earth initially was really interesting because Steve Swan had a, had a fun idea. And so oh, we had a idea. huge pitch board up uh, with all our pitches, and we continued on Facebook for a while. We just had these mm-hmm. like list of pitches, and then um, he, for the first meeting, he assigned two of us to co-write one of the pitches. So we each had like one pitch that we were co-writing with another person. So there were three pitches being written, and that worked out. Um, uh, to just happen that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it uh, felt for a while just like people would bring in their own sketches that they had pitched right. and wrote. And uh, it didn't develop a cohesive voice for a while. It was just like, well, here's some sketches for Flat yeah. Earth. Uh, and I think the voice really cohered around Matt Schmidt's sensibility because Matt both wrote the most mm-hmm. and um, he also had a very distinct voice that he was really honing I don't know if it was his general voice, but his honing for the flatter mm-hmm. specifically. And we would just see it week after week. We're like, well, there are three sketches by Matt that were great that he just brought in. Right. Some of us maybe brought in one sketch. Um, I guess we're all going to start like bending to the sensibility of Matt, which, uh, as you can tell right now, like the flatter seems to have a defined yes. sensibility. And it, I think it largely stems from Matt's productivity. Interesting. Because um, And then one of the big things about Flat Earth, because I never saw you in the Flat Earth. Mm-hmm. Before you left, um, but Burr, oh yeah, hit the video and YouTube and everything, and actually became like the little yeah a mini viral thing. Yeah. coolness out of Philadelphia. Like yeah, so Burr is a uh, parody of the uh, trailer for the movie Her, mm-hmm. where it's a very simple premise: What if Bill Burr were the voice of the operating system right. in the movie Her? Uh, yeah, and uh, the uh, I I really like making uh, videos for the. Um, the Oscar Jam that Meyerbach used to put up, Mike Meyerbach used to put up uh, for a few years, uh, and he would just take all movie parody uh, uh, video sketches. And I did a few the year before. I think I did one on The Master and one for Lincoln. Mm. Um, And then that year, I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? 
and I and I did burr and the idea didn't excite me that much but I think I executed it fine and uh, some people were like oh you should like post this places yeah and uh, one of the ones they suggested is you should tweet uh, tweet it at Bill Burr and I uh, tweeted it to him at first and nothing happened and then I just waited for him to actually be on uh, Twitter and posting <laughs> and then I tweeted at him a second time and he's like oh I'll retweet this and then it just took off on its own so like how much this is the question I've always asked about wanted to ask about that project how much Bill Burr did you listen to oh to find right things good things not like, much I didn't even listen to his podcast which would have been smart because right. it's just him talking I listened to him on a different podcast called Jordan Jesse Go uh, and so, he was a guest. So you got all of all of that from one episode. From one episode. Mm -hmm. See, for some reason, I thought you had curated like this thing perfectly no. out of years of Bill Burr, like no. <laughs> audio clips and. No, it was it was. I gave of, you entirely too much credit. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I Darn, think it, was, it was thought of on a Friday. Um, <laughs> I had listened to the Bill Burr episode that Tuesday, so I re-listened on Saturday and finished it Saturday night. Oh my gosh! And here I'm thinking like yeah. <laughs> you. Jeez. Yeah. Here's the thing I am proud of about that because <laughs> I don't think it's a great it's it's not a great sketch. And also I found out afterwards that like everybody had done that sketch before with different people. Right. So there's like a Seth Rogen version, there's a Philip Seymour Hoffman, there's a Steve Brule version. Okay. Um but the thing I like about what I did is I took the original two and a half minute trailer and I cut it down to a minute and a half. <laughs> and I only kept the funny stuff. There are like big long moments of that trailer where you can't put like Bill Burr being funny in it. Yeah. So I was just like, I'll cut that out. And nobody else did that. We made that parody. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know how to freaking edit. Look at me. I can cut better than you people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So let's backtrack. How do you find out about comedy in Philadelphia? Like, uh oh. Uh, yeah. So. Because you mentioned doing improv first. Yeah. So I did a standard Google search for comedy classes. It was uh, probably sketch class. Okay. Uh, particular. Um, and yeah, I found fit. And like I said, I wanted a sketch class first, but. Uh, improv was available <laughs> and it also terrified me way more than sketch did so I was like oh I'll do that um, things that scare me are a good thing to do at this point in my life uh, and really I, that's weird because I had the exact opposite <laughs> reaction uh, well so here's the saddest because well, improv scares me and I still haven't done it <laughs> nice. well here's the saddest real story behind this is that I was uh, the the like so comedy is a big part of my life right now and the 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 thing that got me into it more than anything else was listening to a podcast uh of Adam Carolla's okay where he was saying why he decided to do Dancing with the Stars was because when they first pitched it to him he's like oh that's scary oh I should do that because doing scary things uh, is helpful for your growth and yeah. I was at a point in my life where <laughs> listening to Adam Carolla made sense <laughs> uh, which is terrible um, uh, but I did that I said well improv would be the thing that scares me the most uh, I'm a comedy nerd but I like watching and you know right taking in comedy not performing improv sounds super terrifying so i guess i'll do that and then as a comedy nerd what what were your main things what were what did you grow up with what was your yeah uh yeah that's a good question um really because i say it all <laughs> the know. time no it's only it's a just in a weird order this time <laughs> every time you ask it i'm like oh what am i gonna say <laughs> um i think i would watch um uh stand up all the time um like uh, the A-List, Evening at the Improv, when I was like 9 or 10 or 11. And I just assumed everybody did that. And then when Comedy Central became its own channel, yeah. that's when I really was just like, well, I'm just going to watch this all the time. Why would anyone right. watch anything else? I was also a huge Letterman fan. Um, 
I was old enough where like the transition from late night on NBC to getting his own CBS show at 11:30 was like a big moment. Yeah, and I was a huge um, devotee to what he was doing. Um, just fitting as many Spider-Man and the Jamba Juice mm-hmm. as possible, like that sort of weird stuff was big for me. And also Conan came on um, right after um, at 12.30, so I was watching early Conan stuff too. Um, but I think like by the time high school and college is going around, like I really got into Strangers with Candy and Stella, which I think is like later, um, maybe even post-college for mm-hmm. me. But, uh, but like those were things that were... Um, like just breaking rules in ways. Breaking rules, that very I surreal. Really like, yeah, no explanation to anything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, it Letterman's a, well, not a huge like pe- person in my influence. Yeah, I think I'm I, slightly older than everybody else in the scene. So I, yeah, I think you are a bit older than I am. But like, I distinctly remember that Taco Bell. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, that whatever magic in the universe, I was up and I saw that live, mm-hmm. and him interacting with Taco Bell customers was like, yeah. Whoa, like what is this? It's great. And it's it's one of those that like it's gone viral since YouTube yeah. now exists and it can go viral, but I feel like it was the sort of thing that everybody talked yeah. about. Like it just mm-hmm. it I don't I, I might have been like 8 or 9 when it happened, but it, like it was like Yeah, it's really a, funny. A, it was a huge like comedy moment for me of like completely different. Yeah. Um you didn't mention very much sketch comedy. Yeah, because I didn't, I mean, I didn't distinguish uh, too much. Like, I would watch Saturday Night Live here and there, and then especially when Comedy Central put on, like, reruns from the 80s mm-hmm. um, and early, slightly earlier 90s, I, I got excited by that, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I love all these stuff. Like, who who knew that Eddie Murphy could be so funny? <laughs> right? Like, I was <laughs> discovering for the first time when I was 15. But you didn't, re- like... I mean, you were 15, so you didn't see, like, funny Eddie Murphy movies prior to that? Like, uh, Probably, but, like... Because he hadn't gotten, you know... He hadn't gotten terrible yet, right? Yeah. I don't know when, like, the clumps and, um, uh, like, more kids-focused movies mm-hmm. that I would have, at 15, been like, that's not His for me. PG streak of yeah. everything. I don't um, know when that was. But, yeah, I, but, I mean, like, I just didn't know how funny all those... Like, I discovered Martin Short, and I was like, oh, I had no idea mm. this person was funny, right? Yeah. And, and Gilda Radner, and, like, all these, like... Um, people from the 80s that I wouldn't have heard of. But since you started watching stand-up, well, who would have been your favorite stand-up? Like, was there a specific one that like jumped so, out at you that young? Yeah, Andy Kindler was a big one for me early on because he was breaking the form. Because um, he, he would just do these fun meta jokes um, uh, where he would like do a list of things um, and like the third one would be, and a third funny thing. And I just <laughs> thought that was the funniest way to, uh, to tag a joke. Um, I'm trying to think of others at the time. Laura Keitlinger, I thought was really funny. Um, uh, I think I did like John Stewart's stand up a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember liking him. And uh, I'll be uh, fully owning this. I remember falling in love with a Jeff Dunham special. Um, and it might not have even been Jeff Dunham. It might have been a different <laughs> ventriloquist. But, but now every ventriloquist is d- Jeff Dunham in yeah. your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's just there was an hour long. When was this? In like, the late eighties, early nineties. Okay. I would just watch and love, and whenever it came on, I would rewatch and love. He's Jeff Dunham is an a interesting like studying comedy. <laughs> okay. Bec- he's one of those guys that like he can't he cannot play in Philadelphia, right? For the most part. Yeah, he's people will come to Philadelphia to see him. Yeah, but he will do amazing in Reading. Sure. Or Hershey or mm-hmm. Lancaster, but he can't touch the big city. 
Yeah, so like he doesn't have a city sensibility. That, right. That's that's so mm-hmm. bizarre to me that like he's in Trump country. Yeah, that's bizarre to you. It's he. That's one of those guys that like he's been around forever because mm-hmm. he's been on Carson. You right. know, like, and then he disappears because he's off into this. There's a world of comedy that no one hears about. Yeah, because it's not on TV. It's fully red state. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why like those like the blue collar like thing took off and we just said phenomenon like they'd been doing this forever just touring that bottom corner of the country yeah and no one heard in new york ever heard of them like it's so mm-hmm. so weird to me how comedy like as universal as it is has become so nicheified and like broken like i don't know it's just it's just bizarre to me interesting yeah i'm trying to think of other uh, comedian like i think russell peters is one of these like mega famous comics mm-hmm. who uh, still might not be a household name in America for some reason. Oh, my um, Uber driver talked about him like oh, the yeah. entire what? Like he's like, "Where are you coming from?" Oh, this comic theater. Have you heard of Russell Peters? That was the first thing he went yeah. to. It was so like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. If you're in Canada or any other uh, country, usually uh, some sort of Asian country. Yeah, like uh, the, the, there's an expat Peters. comedy scene because I have a friend yeah. that lives in Korea, and she sees names I know all the time. Like it's just so like how comedy was, works. I don't know. The whole business of it's bizarre to me. <laughs> um, Saying that someone has that doesn't make money on comedy yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I asked favorite comp stand up as a curveball. So you're not expecting. I like it. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect that. But who uh, favorite Saturday Night Live cast member there all the time? There is. Um, I'm gonna. G- so there's so many ways I could answer this, right? So I went to high school in '93 to '97, and um, the answer during then would would pretty clearly be Norm Macdonald, which I believe is mm-hmm. toward the end of that. Um, and I still love his. Um, uh, yeah, his like the the few things that he did on there as um, clearly he hosting um, weekend update just such a distinct voice there mm-hmm. um, and like his Letterman was great and even his Bob Dole his Bob that. Dole is so uh, much fun yeah I can't find a bit a, a find it online like a good copy of it but uh, Bob Dole in the real world yeah that's that, the one where that he's crying episode where he and does everybody it, like, hurts his playing four yeah. episodes of it mm-hmm. it is beyond brilliant bob yeah. like peanut butter like yep. it's just so great mm-hmm. to me i loved it um, yeah and you don't think of him as a sketch performer at all but, but in his wheelhouse he was great now the other the same thing i think i gravitated towards people like this tina fey uh blew me away and i think tina fey is my favorite now but i have to give a lot of it to what she's done both during that show and after mm-hmm. um uh, 30 Rock and uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Mean Girls, I just think are are just amazing things yeah. uh, that that she's responsible for. But like, I remember watching her on on Weekend Update and thinking, well, she's great. This is amazing. And I'm I just assume everybody else agrees with me. And then it was like two years in where I was like, there's a big backlash against yeah. her. I gotta be quiet about like <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be shamed if I like. And then like I think my opinion changed because of that like out, outward influence like mm-hmm. i i guess i don't like tina fey as much as as i'm supposed to or. like tina fey doing update was in my high school years mm-hmm. and you know all the guys in you know my row of lockers in the hallway had like supermodels and stuff in her, their lockers mm-hmm. i had tina fey there you go. Okay. because like she is beautiful yeah but she's hilarious and like yeah i just i don't know i like tina fey too I'm, okay. I'm on board with that. Yeah, and I never understood the backlash. My one of my favorite sketches is one she wrote, the um, census taker sketch with yes. Christopher Walken. Yeah, it's such a bizarre. There's like, no real premise to that sketch, but it's the funniest thing on the planet. That was one that I definitely remember quoting like that next week, just because yeah. it's just so random and out there. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Um, so Tina Fey would be all time. Like, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, so eventually you, tr- you go into teaching comedy. Yep. But, which I think is a pretty natural progression since you are, a, you know, a college professor mm-hmm. and you teach philosophy. Oh, right. Background. Yeah. And, but like, I'm th- I'm th- what did you say? Ba- uh, that's good background for yeah. people who don't know me. Yeah. College professor and I'm teacher. assuming there are 20,000 listeners, so. Okay. Like cut that and like. Do the math. By a, a, a major fraction. Okay, like. cool. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but thanks again for overestimating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so getting into teaching. How has that shaped your comedy? Pretty well. So um, I started teaching originally at uh, Philly Improv Theater, and they um, they have their own curriculum. So mm-hmm. I was teaching off of someone else's curriculum, which um, I like the curriculum. I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty strong, um, and I thought it was really helpful to just workshop a lot more. Um, particularly like the Flat Earth, all we did was workshop. With American Breakfast, we would workshop as well, but the Flat Earth was like. we just met more often Mm -hmm. and there'd be more sketches to workshop but like it's nice to to workshop of um sketches of varying qualities and if you're teaching a one-on-one class you'll have great sketches mediocre sketches and everything in between um and it's really fun to just dissect so being analytical about comedy uh i thought wound up helping my um my writing Mm -hmm. tremendously um do you have any horror stories like no, although of 101, like. <laughs> I remember being uh, in um, 101 uh, at the end, there's a they, they um, the last class. They have that like class reading thing where they bring out outside actors. And I was in one class um, that Madonna had taught um, Madonna Refugia. And um, uh, she had a nightmare student um, that was just sort of like virulently racist, mm-hmm. and sexist and homophobic. Um, and. Also, like, just like unwilling to listen to right. to feedback that this might be a problem, uh, and he sort of plowed ahead and thought like his favorite sketch that he had re- read uh, written all semester <laughs> was this virulently um, racist, homophobic, sexist sketch. Oh, man. Um, and so, just being there um, for that was was sort of a horror, okay. and that's before I was ever teaching. Okay, <laughs> um, so you. You saw like what could happen before yep. you got in, so you're mm-hmm. like, okay. But my experiences were great as a teacher, <laughs> and I'm I'm teaching now, and I'm teaching my own curriculum. That's what I was about to say. Like, yeah. so what's the difference between? Uh, uh, well, for one, length. I know. Yeah, it's six weeks yeah. as opposed to eight weeks. Um, it's ninety nine dollars. Uh, get your get your uh, buy it today because it's uh, <laughs> it begins sometime in mid January. Um, ho- hopefully this will be up by then. Um, that's why I asked you to be on. Good, good promo. I like this. <laughs> Um, so it's going to be the second time I'm teaching from my own curriculum. Um, and I love developing my curriculum. It's really fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like to do is just slowly think through of all the, the roadblocks that got in my way from thinking of a funny idea to actually having a draft of a sketch. Mm-hmm. And I think there are like roughly three to four roadblocks that prevent you from turning a funny idea into a sketch that's written down on paper. Okay. And I like to just walk us through each of those roadblocks and talk about, well, why is this a roadblock? How can we get over this? What are our little tips and tricks to to break it? And I'm not going to tell you because you got to pay to find out. I was going to say, Nell, give me three <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's great. And then, uh, and then once we're done the roadblocks, then it's just about um, how do we hone a draft that's already written. Uh, and that, to me, is an easier process that students are more familiar with. 
Um, and those those tricks are also fun and great. Um, cool. And the big thing that I do is we just write a lot. We generate tons of premises, tons of uh, beat lists, uh, tons of sketches. And um, Good Good Comedy has a film uh, festival called Phone It In mm-hmm. uh, that they do every month uh, where people put up one second to three minutes, usually funny videos. Um, and uh, I require as part of my class that the students create a video for Phone It In. Comedy oh, that's festival. fun. Mm-hmm. I always like having that end yeah. product at the end. Yeah. And uh, a student in one of my classes named Madison Helmick won Phone It In Comedy this last month. Oh, fancy. And she got a $50 gift certificate, or actual $50 maybe, <laughs> uh, as a result. So wait, do you mean that every student has to? Every student has to submit. Wow. I yeah. thought it was just like as a group. Nope. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have to make their own. Yeah, it's very ambitious. Um. I'm kind of flabbergasted about <laughs> Yeah, I think so. If if like because I I set these high expectations, assuming that there's going to be some attrition, there's going to be some failure rate, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. I just I know that I work well if somebody else gives me a deadline, so sure. I just provide external deadlines. And if like nobody had done one this past um, class, we would have just made one in class that day. Okay, that it was assigned. So. Um, but you also do. Uh, you're no longer part of flat Earth. That's right. American Breakfast is dead yeah. for the most part because, mm-hmm. well, for one, Pete's yeah. in Wisconsin. or Yeah. And even before Pete moved, American Breakfast was turning into an excuse for friends to hang out. Yeah. Um, and we were just excited by that. And the vestige of the vestiges of that um, include that uh, Nora and I still have brunch pretty much every week. <laughs> um, so we've got a strong friendship. And were Pete to not have moved, I'm yeah. sure we would still be um, hanging around all the time. Because you guys did, w- I guess it was... I guess it was promoted as your last show last year. <laughs> yeah, and then we did a reunion show. The um, yeah, it was some dumb New Year's Day show. Yeah, it was, yeah, because I remember mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's good to see these guys again. Yay! Yeah, and we did some some old chestnuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but now you also have uh, Frog Night. That's right. And screenwriting for dummies. Screenwriting for dummies. I host both of those. Neither of those are shows that I created. Okay. Um. Kate Banford and Aaron Nevins, these are both shows that exist at at Good Good Comedy. Kate Banford and Aaron Nevins came up with the idea of uh, something like Scratch Night, which exists in the theater world, Mm -hmm. um, for the comedy scene. People put up experimental shows, um, pieces, and then there's an audience talk back afterwards. And so that's what we do for Frog Night. Tara Demi comes from both the theater and the comedy world, Mm -hmm. and I come from the comedy world. We co-host the show. Uh, we get three performance groups, um, acts to come out, put up five minutes of a weird piece, and then we talk about it with the audience afterwards. Um, I like that show a lot. That's really nice. And then Screenwriting for Dummies. Screenwriting for Dummies is a show created by um, Jamie Glasheen, Frank Farrell, and Sam Scavuzzo, and they they would write a brand new movie in a month, um, one page at a time, like exquisite corpse style. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie would write a page. Frank would then write the next page. Sam would write the next page. On and on and on. Um, we have we'll have like guest writers on too to mm-hmm. help us out. Um, and then um, the show itself turns into like this weird um, live table read that ha- includes like um, uh, audio cues and music and um, you know gunshot noises and like uh, background stuff. And also is very audience interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that show's great too. Uh, it's uh, it needs an audience, uh, so come to it. Mm. Um, I think it's the 
second Wednesday of January. That one is. Yeah. Um, and then like, why comedy? What like, what is the, what is the drive to do things for you? Like, what got you into doing comedy? Other than you know, you're saying improv scared you. Yeah. Why keep going? Yeah, because other things would have totally scared me. If I took a class that was tap dancing yeah. and was asked to perform tap dancing, that would have also scared me. Well, I was a comedy nerd for the longest time. And um, uh, I would start, I would just li- be listening to podcasts over and over again. So I was an early adopter of podcasts. So, like, from 2006 to 2010 or so, pretty much every comedy podcast would mention improv at some point or other, yeah. or a sketch, or how, like their background process. Um, and it just slowly dawned on me because I was a real jerk to my other creative friends for a while, um, where they would like be saying like, I'm writing a novel. I'm like, Oh, good for you. That's great. uh, That's really fun. Um, but nobody should try, right? Because there are people who are creators of stuff and they're on another level from us. Um, and then there are the people who just enjoy it like Mm me. Um, but I guess at a certain point it wore me down and I was like, I, I like enjoying comedy. I like watching it why couldn't i try doing it Mm -hmm. as well uh so yeah and then um like i'm i'm sure i think i got a big breakup happened right before (laughs) um in my life uh so i was sort of sad and lonely and i was like oh this will fill some time too just fill some time yeah Mm -hmm. and then i dove in (laughs) and then uh other other than what you mentioned in the classes or something you've learned from comedy that you can pass on Uh either like you know and I always say it's either the, about the process of comedy or just life in general. Like, is yeah. there something that's been illuminated to you in yeah. the last five years of doing this? My my end goal has fluctuated a lot, but it's never really mattered to me because I en- just enjoy whatever process, no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. I I I've I think I I have this thing in me where I don't care about the end product nearly as much as like w- the fun of making the thing. Um, with the flat earth, like I don't enjoy putting up shows nearly as much as I enjoy rehearsing for shows or writing at the, the writer's meetings. Same with, um, American breakfast. Like when we'd have to perform, it was like, oh, well this is a drag. <laughs> um, but when we had our meetings, these are really fun. Um, and there's something process oriented and joyful that, that I like that I think is, um, the reason why I keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if that's advice, but. Just stick to the process. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. enjoy the process. Even yeah. like, because mm-hmm. a lot of people probably don't. Yeah, and I suppose if you don't enjoy the process and you're really goal oriented, like, I probably look down on you a little bit and I say, like, that's a that's not the best reason to be doing this. Um, but maybe it is. I mean, if you're talented, I suppose. Yeah. You know, the product might be worth it. All right. Since you're so like up on my show, did I miss anything? Did, did I? Ah, uh, let's see. Um, so normally you ask, what's the difference between writing for one group and another group? Well, I, I did mention You it. sort of we, asked a little yeah. bit of Flat Earth. And yeah, because we didn't talk about American Breakfast, but no. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, you asked different, it enough. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Sean. Sure. Sean will host a finale of Screenwriting for Dummies with special guests Frank Farrell, Jamie Glasheen, and Lolly Gill on January 11th at 7 p.m. at Good Good Comedy Theater. Then, Sean and Tara Demi will host Frog Night on January 15th at 7 p.m. also at Good Good Comedy Theater. In addition, Sean teaches the Level 1 Sketch Comedy course at Good Good Comedy 
and the next term begins on Saturday, January 21st. The six-week course is $99, and more information can be found at goodgoodcomedy.com. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, this is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Now go see some comedy. Just, are we good? <laughs> we're fine. Are we good? Oh, we're, we're Mark Maroney <laughs> in the end? I like yes! this. <laughs> Boomer uh, lives. Oh, man. I'm going to cut every last bit <laughs> of that out. <laughs>